for me, I kind of stayed away from that term millennial. And then I kind of realized that we're a very powerful generation. And I almost feel that this term got that negative connotation as a way to keep us down and a way to kind of pull that power away from us. Because if you think about it, we're the generation that has been the bridge between, I call them like the proverbial they, the boomers who, you know, they say that you shouldn't do this, or they say that you should wait till your kid does this. Like ditch the they, no more of the they. And we now, like I said, is we're responsible to be that bridge for the next generation and the upcoming generations to show that we can do things completely differently on our own, on our own terms, in our own timeline, and it's okay. And we have the responsibility really to raise the next generation of kind humans and people that will do good in the world so that that can keep on going. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have on the show Casey Potts. And Casey is a content creator and podcast host who helps millennial moms overcome the overwhelm of everyday life with confidence, humor, and style. She is the host of the podcast, Casey's Corner, which you can hear our interview here pretty soon on her podcast. And she holds conversations on this podcast with experts and influencers about confidence, body image, women's health issues alongside a dose of healthy lifestyle tips, humor, and nostalgia. And she really has such a fun take on being a millennial mom. That's really what we talk about today. She is like the ultimate millennial mom. She started Casey's Corner at 10 years old on Radio Disney in the 90s. She was a part of like the Disney crew, right? She's worked with a ton of celebrities and influencers. She has done and seen it all. She was a senior brand manager for celebrity chef Wolfgang Puck. And so she has this experience of being in this life and times that we're living in. And whether or not you consider yourself listening a millennial mom, and, and you really may not be listening to this show, you may not be a millennial mom, but you could be like me. And I didn't consider myself a millennial mom. But if you're born, basically, what does she say? She says it in the show, 1982 to like 1993 or something like that is you're considered a millennial. So if you were born within that time frame, you are, even if you weren't, there's so much to learn just from Casey's outlook on life and really just what living in this day and age really means for us as women and as leaders of future generations. And I love her take on this. We have such a fun conversation and I'm so excited to share with y'all. So let's jump in. Hey, y'all, let's jump in. I'm here with Casey and I'm so excited to bring a, a real conversation to y'all today about momming and about just kind of parenting in this age that we're living in now. And I feel like Casey has a lot of wisdom she can share with us today. So thanks so much for joining me today, Casey. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you've kind of put yourself as this, as a sort of like millennial mom expert, at least that's the way I look at it. I've looked at your, listened to your podcast and kind of followed along. And I really like this kind of position you've taken to kind of help us and honestly, I don't really know if I looked at myself as a millennial mom until I started listening to your podcast. I'm like, oh, I guess I am a millennial mom. Like, I don't really associate myself as like being a millennial, but we totally are. Like, you know, 
born in the whatever it is, 1980, whatever, like whatever. It's eight, yeah, 82 okay. to 91, I believe is there technically. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And it's funny because I feel like I feel like we associate millennials with like, I don't know. I feel like we feel like we're too old to be millennials. Like that's, I think that's how I felt. <laughs> like, no, I am a millennial. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You know, I, I think that there was this negative connotation yes. to the term millennial yes. because on the, the chart of generations, we are actually generation Y. Okay. And about 10 years ago, the term millennial came into play. And that was honestly, the connotation to that was like, selfies in front of a pink wall and <laughs> avocado toast and you know this very pastel aesthetic this vapid millennial term just yeah. kind of started i mean pantone even made a millennial pink color i think <laughs> they actually dubbed it millennial pink and oh there was such like i said this negative connotation about how millennials are just sucking life out of their parents they're still living at home they're spending all their money on the yeah. avocado toast, whatever. <laughs> so for me, I kind of stayed away from that term millennial. And then I kind of realized that we're a very powerful generation. And I almost feel that this term got that negative connotation as a way to keep us down mm. and a way to kind of pull that power away from us. Because if you think about it, we're the generation that has been the bridge between I call them like the proverbial they, the boomers who, you know, they say that you shouldn't do this or they say that you should wait till your kid does this. I'm like, ditch the they, no yep. more of the they. Yep, yep. And we now, like I said, is we're responsible to be that bridge for the next generation and the upcoming generations to show that we can do things completely differently on our own, on our own terms, in our own timeline. And it's okay. And we have the responsibility really to raise the next generation of kind humans and people that will do good in the world right. so that that can keep on going. So yeah, I just, I had this struggle of like, where am I going to, you know, everyone wants to niche down in the community, in digital communities and everything. And I started to lean into the millennial mom space because no, first of all, no one else was claiming it. So yeah. I'm like, here I am. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> sure, I'll take that. Because for me, so I am from Massachusetts. I moved out to California 11 years ago with my high school sweetheart. At the time, he was my fiance. Oh. Now he's my husband. And we just kind of, we have no family here. So we decided to start a family. We're raising our five and a half year old daughter. We're kind of doing it all on our own. And I think that that's something that the millennial generation is really spearheading is this whole like flying the nest and figuring it out on our own. And that's why it really made me mad when there was this correlation between millennials being lazy and sticking at home when it's like, no, no, actually yes. <laughs> we're flying the coop. We're exactly. making moves. We're doing things. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's always some outliers. There's always going to be how many 40 year olds are still living with their parents? How many 50 year olds are still, <laughs> you know, there's always outliers. So yeah. I looked at it as like taking the power back in the term millennial mm -hmm. and really showing other moms and parents that it's totally fine to figure it out on your own. And I am happy to be a resource to find these little, you know, other experts in the corners of the internet, bring them together and share that information out because it hasn't been there in years past. Yeah, yeah. no, I love that. I love that. And I love that you have, I mean, you really have spear because I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a millennial mom expert. So I feel like yeah. you have spearheaded the movement. <laughs> like why, why not? And I guess let's go along the same lines. Like what makes 
Because I totally agree with you, the perspective on like what makes millennial moms different. But what do you think is like the significant piece there? Like the piece that makes like what kind of, I guess let's, what kind of power do you see as holding as millennial moms? Like what power do we have to like really make moves and to really like make a difference? So the way I look at it is that we have had so much experience. We have lived through a lot. And I think that we maybe kind of suppress that fact a little bit, but we really have. We have come from the time of dial up and floppy disks. We lived <laughs> through Blockbuster. We saw the birth of Netflix. We had Netflix on a DVD. Yes. You know, we saw the birth of social media. I always tell people having gone to college in Boston in the early 2000s, I was one of the first 20 yes. schools to get Facebook. Yes. So like I have seen the birth of social media and have really evolved with it. So I think that that's a really significant power that mm -hmm. we kind of have as a generation is like, no, no, we didn't just, we don't just use Facebook to be, you know, keyboard crusaders and <laughs> post things about our dog or our grandchildren all the time. Like we <laughs> really know how to build communities mm -hmm. and empires and businesses in the palm of our hands or on our computers. And I think the other thing that it's a double-edged sword because with the birth of social media, we also unfortunately kind of developed a, I call it the comparative narrative, mm -hmm. right? Where we saw all of our peers and because social media and Facebook started off in college, you were kind of dispersing. Again, you were getting away, you were flying the nest but you saw what all these other people were doing and you started to compare and you really, I think it was our responsibility to see how we were going to consume that content, how we were going to let it. And I always say consume content because you do, you let content become part of you yep. and you can either use it for good or for evil. And there was a lot of power, I feel like in that and a lot of growth that came from social media, if you let it help you grow mm -hmm. and if you let it help you evolve. So yeah. I look at that as one of the most powerful tools that millennials really have gained. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. Well, and it's it's the intention behind it, right? Like what is the intent behind using it, right? Is it to feel how, you know, crappy your life is or compare right. or is it like you're saying, like to build communities and to build businesses? I mean, people, millennials, like I have so many friends who are millennials who have built, you know, multi-million dollar businesses with yeah. single-handedly with Facebook, like, but that's it. Like that's the only way they built. So, I mean, the possibilities are there and it's just like, what is the intent, the intent behind it? Like what, right. how do you like your perspective on it? You know, and living through, yeah, we did live through a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> we did. And I think that, uh, you know, it's really hard to, to forget the point of like, we, at least for me, my freshman, it was my first week of high school when 9-11 happened. Mm. Like that was my first week of high school. The weirdest thing, we happened to be out of school that day because there was a fire in our high school the day before or over the weekend. So like that Monday, we didn't have school yeah. and like watching that all unfold and not ever having something like that with that much of a significant yes. impact yes. before in our lifetime, in my lifetime was so, so impactful. And unfortunately, one of the, one of my fellow classmates, his mom was on one of the planes. She was oh a flight attendant. I mean, gosh. the planes were coming out of Boston, you know, That's she was a flight crazy. attendant in yes. Boston. That's crazy. So yeah. you were like in it. Yeah. 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 So it, it was definitely, I think an eye opener. And then how many other unprecedented events have we lived through, right? Totally. Like we had the first black president, which uh -huh. was amazing. We've had so many ups and so many downs mm -hmm. that no wonder I always joke that like 
millennials hold on to nostalgia and like the pop culture that we grew up with. Yes. Like it's our comfort food <laughs> yes. because it's before all hell broke loose. Yep. yep. It totally <laughs> and it's is. Like, give me the boy bands. Give me the Nickelodeon. <laughs> Back like, to the 90s. On. Yes. <laughs> I am holding on to that because that's where we felt safe. And it mm-hmm. was before we ever had to kind of put up shields or yeah. feel our true anxieties. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really and truly, they think like, we lived through the turn of a century and that like totally, I mean, I just feel like there was this huge shift just as a collective at the turn of the century. I mean, that was just I mean, like how the much, start of- Right. How much anxiety was put on us with Y2K? For, oh my gosh. The right. Y2K. We all thought the world- We were going to die. Every computer was going to blow up <laughs> because it didn't know how to change to zero, zero. Oh my gosh. Right? Like yes. we had all this impending doom yep. starting to come yep. into our psyche really totally. at a really young age. We were like, in, I was in eighth grade, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was how old? I think I was I think I was in the eighth grade too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, we lived we lived through a lot and we've seen so many shifts. And that was the other thing, because I want to talk about this too, because I know that you have your own journey with this. But we lived through, I think, with the eight I mean, let's be honest, we're still living through it, but I think the eighties and the nineties were such a huge era of diet culture. And it either made you or it broke you. And I feel like I know me, I'm a product of diet culture. And I remember, you know, my parents doing every diet under the sun at home and not putting any blame on anybody. But I know that it definitely impacted my relationship with food growing up and disordered eating behaviors that I expressed. So what was your experience there? Yeah, it's something I do talk about a lot because it took a long time for me to understand where all this diet culture obsession in my head really came Mm -hmm. from. And I didn't realize how much of a part of me it really was. And especially because like in my head, I never look at it as that I've ever had any sort of distorted eating because I'm not skinny. Like (laughs) I was like, how can I have an eating disorder? I'm not skinny. Um, And that was a really weird thing for me. As I started to unpack all of this, I didn't realize how distorted my brain really Mm -hmm. was around food Mm -hmm. because I've always been at least a size eight or bigger. And Again, even just saying that, like that's a part of diet culture too. What I just said, I realize it, but it is. (laughs) And I'm doing the work, guys. I'm doing the work. But for me, yeah, just like you said, I grew up with my parents going to Weight Watchers meetings Mm -hmm. and getting tagged along and watching them have to weigh in. And then when it came time for me to feel like I needed to lose weight, whether it be for prom or in college, I would do the Weight Watchers Mm -hmm. thing and had that same kind of cycle of, all right, counting the points and figuring Mm -hmm. out what this is worth. And just the more I've learned around the psychology of it, it just makes me so uncomfortable. And realizing that I was bringing Adkins bars or special K Mm -hmm. bars to high school, to my lunch for high school, right? Like who made a diet off of cereal? It's bonkers (laughs) to me. Like a sugared up cereal was a diet. (laughs) But yes, there was, that has been really a big part of my journey because even after I had my daughter and everything, I was just so uncomfortable with my body. It affected my breastfeeding journey too, Mm -hmm. because I just hated the way that my body was acting and looking and feeling. And I realized how much of my body image issues are so deep and that they came from you know, my mom not being comfortable with her body and the way that she kind of consumed media at the time as well. And 
my mom has always been thinner than me. So in my head, when I heard her not being happy right. with her body, automatically I'm like, well, then what's that I mean can't for be me? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am now as a mom, so careful about what I say about my body. And even if it's not words about the body language, yep. like there's been times where I'll go into my daughter's room or she'll come into my room and I'm just in my underwear and she'll grab my butt or she'll grab my belly. And mm-hmm. it takes everything in me not to like try to cover up or not to have that negative body language of like being ashamed of whatever it is that she's seeing. And it's so hard. It's Mm -hmm. so hard for me to still do that. But I know what that kind of translates to over time for a little girl. Totally. Yeah. And I think because we were like diet culture, it was so ingrained in like the era that we grew Mm -hmm. up in. I feel like that's kind of another, like you were talking about, like the power we have as millennial moms. I feel like that's another piece for us to like totally. undo, right? Like another piece for us to untangle because I mean, and you know, I can't say it was, you know, for me, it was multiple things and how my relationship with food and all that. But I think like you're saying, like there is so much to be undone within that, the, the body image stuff, like how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about food, our relationship with food. And especially when you have daughters, I have a daughter too. And I mean, it totally shifts thing. And, and I'm the same. And mine is still like, she's only 19 months. So we're not quite to the point where she can understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But it is, it's it's not just what you say, but it's how, you know, how you act. It's your body, like all of that. I mean, all of that plays a part in it. I think that's a huge piece for us to undo that piece that's been ingrained in us with the body image stuff and the diet stuff, like all of that. Yeah. And it's just the awareness because there's yeah. so, there was definitely a light bulb a couple years ago that kind of went off of realizing where all this obsession came from. Because yep. I, in 2019, I started doing the keto diet and I did it from like 2019 through the majority of lockdown and COVID. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it, it was like, you know, people went either one, either yeah, way, right, right. <laughs> when it came to lockdown, like depending on how you ate. Yep. But for me, it was the one thing I could control. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very strict and, mm-hmm. you know, we were ordering our groceries. We weren't going out to eat. Yeah. I was ordering exactly what I knew would fit into my plan for the day. Mm-hmm. And I realized like I was just constantly posting that kind of stuff on social media and my following was growing and I was getting so much interaction and so much more feedback. And in my head, I'm like, wait, so the thinner I get, the more people come mm-hmm. to me. And I was, and there was a moment after like when I, I kind of hit a plateau and the keto just stopped working because keto is not sustainable. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I was like, wait a second. This is where I somehow drew a line, a correlation between if I lost weight, I would be more accepted. More people would Mm -hmm. come to me. I would be more, for lack of a better term, popular and influential. And it made me feel really icky. And then there was also a time where I realized I was posting before and after pictures, right? And my before could have been someone's goal. Mm-hmm. And I was putting a negative right. term and a negative voice around that before picture. And it just kind of hit me. I never wanted to make anyone feel less than. And at that point, I was in the whole MLM world and I was promoting certain products that went along with the lifestyle. And I just realized I was preying on people's insecurities and yeah. I just felt so weird about it. And mm-hmm. I just stopped. And it was really at that point when I looked at my own relationship with diet culture, my own relationship with food, and it's still a journey. I will tell you, there are so many times where I'm still like afraid of carbs (laughs) or Mm -hmm. when 
I am just not eating balanced because of the warped perception I have right. around certain foods. Right. So it takes a lot of work to un as much work as it is to be on diets, it's even more work to like undo uh, the mm-hmm. diet culture from your brain. A hundred percent. And it's because I just feel like because, and again, like I said before, I mean, we're still living it. Like I've, we're still living it. Really? It's still a, I don't even know the word for it, but in it, and, and social media, you know, just kind of perpetuates it where you, mm-hmm. that's all you see is the before and after pictures and all of that. And right. Gosh, that is uh, it is such a huge thing because I mean it, it's ingrained in our you know conditioned in us for it to feel normal like and for that to just be like for us to and to be drawn is, to it yeah yeah right totally. like there's such a lore to seeing a before and after picture mm-hmm. and then reading how did they do mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. wanting to see it's human nature how to see how people can make themselves for quote like better right and you have to really take a second and like realize that someone else's journey, you're just seeing the highlight reel. You're not seeing the whole story. Mm-hmm. Even for me, I had to remind myself that it took me like a good five months to lose the first chunk of weight on keto. And then I just kind of right. kept it going. Right. But now even I've gained 30 of the 40 pounds back and I'm like, well, how do I do it again? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, 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 it's no, no, stop. Yep, <laughs> stop, yep, Casey, stop. yep, yep. <laughs> And so right now I'm really just trying to heal my overall mental health around food and really emphasize more on like balanced plates and not just looking at certain food groups as being the end all be all for how I should be eating and enjoying it. Because again, back to being a mom and being the most influential person on your child. Totally. She would offer me a bite of her pasta at dinner and I'd say no. She would want to, you know, do you want some of my peanut butter and jelly? And I'd say no. And I just started to realize what that was actually, there was going to be a point in her life where she would make a correlation of me not eating things because I wasn't happy with the way that I looked because I remember that being my experience. So I just, I had to accept the awareness and like, do something about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the guilt and the shame around it are real. And I think just like you're saying, like, you know, demonizing a food or a food group like that, like my son is old and he's four, he's old enough to know. And like, I have to be careful with that too. Like, you know, boys are just as susceptible to that culture as girls are. I think Mm -hmm. girls, there's more pressure on girls, but I have to be careful that too. Like, I don't want to demonize a food group. And, you know, it's, it's very, you have to be so careful with your verbiage around stuff and being able to like, of course, you want them to eat things that are quote unquote healthier and less of the things that aren't necessarily as, you know, nutritious, but it's like being able to use the right words for a four-year-old. Like that's a hard thing to do, but I do. I mean, I think it's our responsibility to undo what's been done. And to, that was a big thing for me when I opened my studio, I have a Pilates and fitness studio. And, and this isn't to like bash anybody who runs their business in this way, but I know a lot of gyms and a lot of boutique studios, like they run their business on before and after pictures. Yeah. And that's fine. But I didn't want that vibe in my studio. Like, of course, we're up for people changing their bodies and all of that. But it's like, the vibe is to do it because you love to do it. And because it's fun and you enjoy it. Like it's not, you know, the the physical changes are like, you know, just an added benefit or a side effect. But I just didn't want to make it around, build it around that. I think that at least for me, someone who is not the first like cheerleader for fitness. I <laughs> definitely begrudgingly do it, but do it because I know right. it's the best thing for right. me. Right. That going into a exercise space, a studio, a class, whatever, and 
seeing a before and after picture. And if you're consistently going and all of a sudden you're not feeling like you're that after picture, I think that it gets extremely discouraging Mm -hmm. and you easily would want to give up. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's crazy to me. And again, I really think it goes back to how we were conditioned in this millennial era. I think it was like how some people are like, that's their, like they're totally motivated by it. And it's, I just feel like it's, this weird, like mental psychological thing that has to be undone to like really transform how we look at. It. I mean, it's, it's not just, I mean, it's food and it's fitness, it's all the things, but like to transform our thoughts around like what our motivation is behind that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I know. As you were saying that I quickly got a glimpse of, again, growing up in the Y2K era. If you think about it, how many commercials, Weight Watchers, I can't even say it, Jim, <laughs> Jenny Craig, slim fast yes. nutrisystem like these are the commercials that yes. it's not even like they were on late night when adults yeah. were supposed to be watching tv <laughs> right. they were on all yep. the time yep bowflex shake weight like yep. how many of them the exercise yep. infomercial totally commercials that would come on i think that it was just you know it's always been there it's not like s- social media has just made it i think a little bit more personal and yeah. maybe a little bit more saturated, mm-hmm. probably a little mm-hmm. oversaturated. Mm-hmm. But I do also tell people all the time, like, you have to remember how you can curate your social media and the content you consume right. so easily. And right. if you if you feel like you're seeing content that is making you feel less than or making you insecure about something, mute the person, unfollow yes. the person. Yes. And if it's some crazy big fitness influencer, they don't know you'll yeah, exactly. follow them. Like, exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I think that is such a huge piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really start just filling your feed with things that make you happy, people yeah. that make you happy, people that inspire you and make you feel good and not make you feel crappy about your body or about your life and your lifestyle. And even if that's people you grew up with, if you're, if you feel again, like you're constantly having that comparative narrative, mute the person for a little yeah. while or just, yeah. you know, turn them off, whatever it was. Right. Facebook has snooze. Facebook yeah. has the snooze button. It's <laughs> yeah. the best thing ever. And so for that purpose, for that yes. reason, <laughs> yeah. that's so true. It's so true. What do you think? I love to give like tangible, tangible takeaways in these episodes. What do you think are some things like as millennial moms, like what are some things that you think moms can be doing right now to... What's the word I'm looking for to like capitalize on this era that we grew up in and to like make it better for our kids? I think honestly, it's gaining that awareness of what it was that kind of made us tick or made us uncomfortable or put certain jaded or rose colored glasses on us as we grew up and really do the work to eliminate that for your kid. And if that's, you know, you didn't, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of pressure. Like if you didn't do something as a kid, you're kind of forcing Mm -hmm. your kids into it, right? (laughs) That whole living vicariously. But there are a lot of our parents who did that same thing. And then maybe we started hating piano lessons Mm -hmm. or maybe we started. So Mm -hmm. really, I think it's finding, someone told me that it's not about finding balance. It's about finding harmony. And I thought that that was such a good good. way to put it Mm -hmm. where it's not, and that's how I, I finally like accepted it. It's not about balance, yeah. but it's about harmony. When you think about an orchestra and a symphony, there's sometimes that the horns are louder and the percussion softer. There's sometimes when the strings are louder and something else is softer. So it's not about figuring out like how to balance work and family or sports and school. It's seeing which things are going to be louder at different times and 
kind of allowing that to happen and not letting your family get so stressed out about everything. I think that that was a rule we made. We don't do like we didn't do the soccer thing. We don't do the weekend sport thing because my husband works. You know, he's out of the house seven to seven most of the time every day. So the weekends are our time to do things. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to be rushing around to soccer or whatever was going to be another stressor that we didn't need. So that was something kind of we did as a family. And also my daughter was not into the Yeah. Yeah. Well, that always helps. (laughs) (laughs) That was totally fine. But again, I didn't push her into it because everyone else was doing soccer. Right. Right. She really didn't like it. And I'm not going to force her because maybe down the road in a couple of years, she will like it. But another thing like tangible takeaway that I do tell people, like I just mentioned about curating your social feeds, because it is so important to not get into this spiral of, I keep saying it, the comparative narrative of like you're scrolling. And it's literally, when if you think about it, when you scroll, right, the way your finger goes, it is a spiral. <laughs> and you keep <laughs> so it <true>. going. <laughs> you keep flicking that finger and it's a spiral. And you get yourself dug deeper and deeper. But if yeah. you can come away from it with a little bit of motivation, a little bit of inspiration, yeah. a little bit of, of a sense of community, mm-hmm then it's worth it. Then yep. it's good for you. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I have, uh, that has been a huge thing for me. I guess it was, I probably want to say it was during COVID when I know a lot of people can attest this, like spiraling was really easy to do because it's like you had so nothing easy. to do, but to spiral. And you know, my business was hanging on by a thread and I was pregnant. So my sanity was holding on by a thread. So I found that, and I kind of started a little before that, but I feel like during COVID is really when I was like, you know what? I don't need to know what my competition's doing. Who cares? I don't need to know what these people are doing. Who cares? Like, and so that's exactly what I did. I'm like, I want to see inspirational things and I want to see spiritual things and I want to see happy things. And you know, that has been such a huge, I mean, and I cannot tell you the impact on your mental health that it has when Mm -hmm. you can look at your feed, you know, in a moment of like, Hey, I need a, like a distraction. And it's like happy, uplifting and positive things. And I mean, it's such a shift in your mental health. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it helps. And that's why I I joke saying use social media for good and not evil, because you can really, really have it be a positive impact on your day to day. But unfortunately, a lot of people just don't think to take the time to shift it that way. Right, right. Yeah. Are they, they're just too stuck in the habit of like, I think people get in, in this spiral and the habit they crave that they just like to be on there to hate on other people, you know, just right. to like, and they follow people just to, cause they like to hate. Oh, you know? I've heard of people saying like, they hate follow people. I'm like, what? Yes, yes, That's a thing. That's yes. a thing. It's it, crazy. It totally is. It totally is. But I also loved what you said about the balance piece. Cause I think that's another piece for, you know, working parents. It's mm-hmm. constantly like that, like work life balance thing. And there's no such thing as work life balance. Like, And there's also nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to be all in at work and all in at home. But like, I love how you said that, like creating harmony within those. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can be a successful working parent and you can also have a family. Like you can do both. And it's like putting harmony. And like you're saying, like being able to find the opportunities to to create a sense of balance. Where like for y'all, it's like on the weekend, this is our time. We're not going to do weekend sports. Like finding a way to kind of like shift things so that you can be able to create more harmony within those two worlds. Like, I love that. That's such good advice. Yeah. That was a piece of advice I got and I just keep on spreading it because I thought it was so helpful. It's so good. It's so good. I love that. So I do have one more question I want to ask you that I like to finish off with. Mm -hmm. Before I do that, let everybody know where they can find out more about you and everything you're doing. 
Yeah. So you can find daily content from me over on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. And my handle is at it's Casey Potts. And then a weekly podcast. The show is called Casey's Corner. And I do call it the ultimate resource for millennial moms. So we talk about all things women's wellness, parenting, and even some nostalgia here and there, because like I said, it's our comfort food. It is. I love it. I love it. I love it. So fun. Okay. So last question I want to ask you is, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? Oh, I don't think I would have said this until becoming a mom, but (laughs) honestly, I think there is such a responsibility for shaping good, kind, considerate humans. And There is such, especially I live out here in Los Angeles, guys, like there is such an entitlement complex in our world and I cannot stand it and it oozes everywhere and it's just, it's too much. It's getting to be too, too much. Everyone feels like they're, they need to stand on some soapbox and I know it's ironic for a podcast host to say that, but (laughs) I, I do think that there is such an importance to shape the next generation that we're raising to really be kind, considerate humans. I love that. I, that is such, I feel like that is such a profound statement and it, it is, it's just, it's creating kind humans. Like, yeah, that's all it is. I love that so much. I love it. Thank you so much, Casey, for sharing all of your insight. And I really hope you'll go check out her podcast. It is, is full of goodies for all of you. And, and I think most of my listeners are millennial moms. So it's a nice. Perfect, yeah. Come hang out with me yes, too after you yes, hang out with Hope. <laughs> exactly. It's such a perfect place to go hang out. So thanks so much, Casey, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza, or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.